I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. You know, we think about the quality of that food. How was that animal grown? How was that plant raised? When we're sitting down to dinner or opening up a a container of milk, um, those things are pretty evident to us as things that have grown in the ground and that we need to kind of pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Was something sprayed on it? How was the fertilizer applied? What kind of practices were put in play in order to um, prevent soil erosion, to refertilize the area, to protect our groundwater? But, you know, it's something we don't often think about when we open up a bottle of whiskey. Hmm. And why shouldn't we? Whiskies and bourbons, various kind of distilled uh, alcohols, they're made from things that grow in the ground. And when we think about good organic practice, when we think about good sustainable practice, that applies to anything that grows. And I'm sure you think about it too, uh, Dave Corbett, as you cultivate your hayfields, mm-hmm. because that's a major part of what it is that you do. Right. Well, interesting enough, many of our concerns, food concerns and passions intersected in very interesting ways in the last several weeks. Um, As some people know, my my daughter, who is the uh, entertainer known as Dessa, uh, put out uh, a published book that came out in September. And to coincide with that, she partnered with a distillery to put out a named small batch certified organic bourbon Hmm. called Time and Distance. I had, was able to enjoy some of that uh, last evening at Orchestra Hall, but also a couple of weeks ago, a week ago at the Fitzgerald Theater where uh, Dessa was doing some some, uh, of her book promotions. It is the smoothest bourbon I've ever had Hmm. and I'm not that I I tipple that much but I've had some pretty harsh stuff that's been labeled bourbon and this is just smooth and to think that it is produced in the with using the kind of practices that that we care about on Deep Roots Radio Mm -hmm. so how did this come about who's behind Rock Filter Distillery in Spring Grove, Minnesota. Well, we have with us founder and co-partner in the distillery, Christian Meyer. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being available. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. Now, Christian Meyer, you are a farmer by background? Yes. I, I guess you could say that, among other things. Yeah, uh, we'll get to those other ones, too. <laughs> but is that some of your background? Was your dad also a farmer? Yes, yes. I grew up on a farm in Spring Grove, Minnesota, and 
and have been uh, did a, a number of uh, some other things after <clears throat> after I left Spring Grove and then moved back here with my family and about 12 years ago and been been uh, farming organically ever since then. All right, so you do have a really interesting background, Christian, in that you spent some time as a uh, Navy combat fighter pilot and then found yourself and made the choice to get back to Spring Grove. How, that sounds like a very interesting journey. And to come back and not, and decide maybe you're not going to grow corn and soybeans, which is often the, uh, the default in this area or whatever type of farming it was that that you you came from why move into distilled spirits how did that come about <clears throat> that's a good question it's as far as the farming aspect of it i guess um the fact that i'd been away from it um and came back to it uh gave me a different perspective on on the way you know we should maybe treat our soil and our land and and uh our animals and and how we raise and and grow the things uh that we eat and so that's sort of how i got i you know i wanted to go down that route and we raise grass-fed beef and lamb and and organic crops so the the um the organic distillery came about here a few years ago as a as an idea of, and really in its surfaces is, is uh, just adding value to those crops that we're already raising. Um, uh, whiskey and bourbon is what we focus on, and those are all grain-based. Uh, so basically any, you can make it from any grain. So that's kind of the, the real quick story on, on um, how that came to be. And, and we are one of only two certified farm distilleries in Minnesota. So we basically raise... <clears throat> All the all the grains ourselves, uh, literally within about two and a half miles of the distillery, and and we really control the whole process right from the time the seed goes into the soil to the time you're sipping it in your glass. Christian, the the question still remains though: why why a distillery? I mean, how did you get pointed in that direction? I think it is a number of different things. Um, the laws had changed back in. Um, 2011 in Minnesota to, to make it um, actually easier to start a distillery. It was pretty prohibitive before that, based on the the uh, the fees that the that you had to pay the state every year. So, um, shortly after I started farming, back probably in 2007 or so, the uh, grain prices were pretty. Even the organic prices were pretty bad. And I joked around back then, saying we should uh, we should turn all this stuff into into some sort of alcohol. It'd be worth a lot more. And then I. I was kind of joking, kind of forgot about it, and I uh, I had been in I'd been in the uh, in the military, and I'm still in the in the Navy Reserves, and I got deployed to Afghanistan as a reservist in 2013, and um, kind of forgot about the whole um, distillery idea until I got back and and saw that <clears throat> those laws had changed, and there were distilleries starting in the state of Minnesota. And so I really started looking back into that, and uh, and you know, and and you know, putting is another challenge. Putting this all all together and, and really adding value to to our crops, and and uh, looking at all the natural resources we have 
in southeast Minnesota that really lend themselves to um, a good a good whiskey and, and bourbon product. So everything from the grains that we're already already raising to the uh, uh, to the water, the limestone filtered water we have in this uh, this part of the state in this driftless region that we're in, to the um, uh, six miles from our distillery, there's a, a stave mill that that um, makes white oak staves that ship, get shipped all over the world to make you know, whiskey and wine barrels. Um, there, we we get all our grain milled at the oldest water-powered mill in Minnesota that still uses original French quartz stones that were imported in 1876. Uh, there's a we just had a lot of a lot of these things that were were sitting literally like in our in our backyard, and it was like, well, let's let's. Put it all together and and make a, a world-class product and and that's uh that's what we set out to do and and so far so good i guess is, is what i could say you know chris you you make a point um that we try to focus on every once in a while here on deep root radio and that is the notion of sustainability means and incorporates the the idea and the need for financial sustainability and so you're taking a look at the resources at that were near you, that were already available, and saying, how do you capitalize on something like that in order to right. uh, make the most of what you have? It's a, it's a question that uh, new farmers sometimes don't think enough about, and certainly it's one that you have to keep in front of your face all the time if you plan to keep on farming, and you, and you are taking advantage right. of that. I think, yeah, and I, to, to your point, I, I think that uh, um, that's something that can't be overlooked because uh, I think when it comes to sustainab- being sustainable and sustainability has, has become kind of a buzzword, but, um, I mean, that's what we are. We, we're, sustain- we're farming sustainably. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we want to, you know, if you're taking more out of the soil than you're putting back, you're mining. You're not farming. So I want to, you know, we want to be, uh, conscientious of what we're doing to the land, um, but to your point, uh, if it's not profitable, it's not sustainable, and so it's then it's going to it's going to change and go. By that that those practices may go by the wayside if uh, if you can't you know balance all those uh, or juggle all those balls and make sure you got the the profitability and everything else in there to make it uh, viable. Right. Is really what? Yeah. So how did you acquire the skills needed to become a really good distiller? Oh, you can learn anything on the Internet these days. <laughs> but um, Actually, I, uh, it's, it was uh, a steep learning curve. I went to some, took some classes on distilling and um, to learn the process and, and, and <clears throat> Then, then a lot of it comes comes down to just net, networking and and knowing the right people to to ask the right questions to and and that uh, and then you know and who to you know who you can learn from when you have a question about whatever it is fermentation or yeast or 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 whatever. Um, so I I guess as far as uh, um, learn you know learning it I I I also think that. From my in my experience visiting other distilleries, I kind of equated a lot to um, farms to farming because every every farm is different, and what works on one farm might not work on another. And you go to somebody's farm and they're like, "Well, 
you got to do this with your animals or you got to you know put this on your crops or you got to do this well well i don't and I, i'm doing just fine and so what what works in my system might you know i don't might not work in somebody else's and and distilling is the same way you know we we do we do things a certain way i could tell you know somebody or, or exactly what our recipe is and they go make that same product in their distillery and it's going to taste different because there's so many different variables and different things that that um, contribute to that final, you know, that final product. So um, <clears throat> it is. Uh, so as far as to, to answer your question, how did I learn? Well, like I said, some classes, some net, some networking, and then once you sort of get that system figured out and how you how our system works for us, then it's it's just sort of making repeating that process, uh, like you know, baking cookies. Just follow that recipe and. And, and and sure we do not we do a fair amount of experimenting with new things um and uh and a, that another resource we have in this area that i failed to mention is um we we i grow heirloom corn varieties that we use in some of our bourbons and and those those seeds were sourced from seed savers uh which is an organization out of decorah iowa where where we um uh sourced our original seeds so um anyway there's there's uh a lot of, uh, like I said, it was a steep learning curve, but um, and and making whiskey and bourbon sounds all cool and romantic, but a lot of times it's it's, it's a lot of janitorial work, just keeping tanks clean and and things like that. Do you have to be licensed to be a distiller, or how, what is that process like? Oh yeah, that's quite uh, a fair, fairly uh, long process. It's um, you do need a, a federal permit. A, a, they call it a DSP, a, a distilled spirits permit. Um, when we applied for ours, it took about six or seven months to get that. Then you need a permit through the state, and then your your local permits also. So there is a um, there's yeah fair amount of red tape and oversight that uh, that we have to deal with on on a monthly basis, as far as reports and things that we need to send to different agencies. You know, Christian, one of the things that I noticed um, on your website, um, and we've been talking now for several minutes, and it sounds very technical and and. Uh, you know, you have to pay attention to the details financially and otherwise. But your website seems to indicate to me that fun is an important aspect of rock filter. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we do. I mean, we want to have, uh, uh, we want to work hard and, and play hard, so to speak. It's just, uh, um, we, you know, yeah, it is. And, and it's, and, and the other thing that, that our our distillery and our brand kind of encompasses is um, is you know just like storytelling, like the the way our bottles are designed, the way we have like on uh, we have pictures on our bottles. My great grandparents are on one of them. My great uncles on one. I have my the sheep that are in my barn are on one of our bottles. Um, so it's like um, you know even our our ingredients and recipes are like like stories in a glass. Hmm. So we we are kind of you know we're you know it we're we're very rooted in you know Scandinavian heritage here and and uh, there's there's a lot of uh, you know like um, stories which is kind of a, like a universal human occupation that whole storytelling uh, theme. Yeah, sort of. I like I like what you kind of even talk about yourself on your website where you say you're descended from settlers of Spring Grove. And Norwegian farmer warrior stock, 
which uh, I think paints a really fun picture in my head. And I love the names of your products. I mean, Fence Jumper and Giants of the Earth with, again, those very good, funny pictures. Stones Throw and I like the one with Red Rider Rye. Yeah. Who yeah. is in that picture? <laughs> That's that's my great uncle on an old Farmel thirty uh, that's running a thrashing machine. So that yeah, that's uh, we have a big one of it uh, hung up in our cocktail room. If you ever get a chance to come and visit, oh, I, I I absolutely plan to. In fact, I was googling it this morning and thinking, okay, that's a four hour ride. I can do this. You know, so Christian, how did this uh, this this uh, conversation with Dessa begin in order to culminate? in a bourbon that has her signature on it? Well, I think it all started from an article or, or a, something we had read a few years ago, a quote she had said, had, had mentioned about how she uh, um, kind of lives on snicker bars and, and whiskey sometimes when they're on, on tour. And, and uh, we knew she was uh, uh, a Minnesota, um, you know, musician and, and we had reached out to her and and uh, kind of told her what we were all about and and uh, that kind of um, that whole idea kind of simmered for a year or two and and then uh, when her when she had when she her book, new book that just came out um, she had been to visit us a few times and and we uh, um, are we you know to the sort of develop a uh, uh, a bourbon that would uh, be a special release that coincided with the release of her book. So um, I think she's, she shares some of the common uh, core values that, that we have as a company. And, um, you know, the, just the, the small guy, the, the organic. Uh, and, and so we, uh, we, we've, you know, sort of had some conversations over the last year or two and, and that's kind of how it all, all kind of evolved. And we've been, uh, uh, really happy with the, the response we've gotten from the release of that time and distance bourbon has been exceptional. Good, yeah, I, I've had it and it is just, it's 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 uh, in a in a spot on its own. Really, it's a it's a high standard. How does that work? Now you say, or I think people think they understand or do understand the notion of certified organic, but what does small batch mean in the in the bourbon making business? Our system is is a 150 gallon batch system, so we're not um, we're not you know pumping out lots of uh, um, uh, product, and so we're uh, I guess it just just refers to the yeah, and it's all done in, in batches, and and um, we uh, this particular uh, product was we just had a you know it was a limited amount, and and we'll see. Uh, We'll see. Based on the response, there there may be uh, more of that made in the future. Well, we'll those, that's yet to be determined, I guess. Sure, sure. So, how long does it take to make a bourbon from start to finish? In in our case, it's probably it's it's a long time. If you think about from the time the seed goes into the ground to the time it gets harvested to the time it gets milled, but but the actual distillation process is from the time we cook up that mash and ferment it and distill it is about a, a week and then everything we have goes into uh new charred white oak barrels and and ages for a a certain amount of time and there's no 
there's no exact science to that. We don't say at this at this specific age we're gonna we're gonna bottle this and sell it. We uh, we say we're gonna bottle it and sell it when it's ready. So somebody's got that awful job of having to uh, sample the the bourbon in the barrels every so often to oh, see if it's ready or not. Tough, tough, <laughs> tough duty. Yeah, yeah. So how many different kinds of of bourbon? And, and maybe I should ask this first. What's the difference between a bourbon and a whiskey? Uh, whisk. So all all bourbon is whiskey, uh, but not all whiskey is bourbon. So whiskey is kind of a broad uh, category. And bourbon is uh, like a sub subset of the the broad whiskey category. So um, to be considered a bourbon, it has to meet all the same criteria to be a whiskey, but it has three additional uh, restrictions or criteria, and that is that it's got to have at least 51% corn in the recipe. It's got to be made in the United States, and it's got to be aged in new charred white oak barrels. So. Uh, some people think that only bourbon comes from Kentucky, but the way the, the definition is, is actually anywhere in the United States. Um, and, and I got, you know, Kentucky bourbon comes from Kentucky, but, uh, but bourbon can really come from any, any state in the U.S. So. I was just wondering if you use other grains besides corn uh, in the yes, process. Yes, we do. We do. And because we raise our own crops and our own grains, we we were able to experiment with some lesser-known grains and 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 um, and use you know some unique things in our recipes. So, for instance, our Giants of the Earth bourbon is a uh, is a corn, rye, and a white grain sorghum. So, um, you know, a traditional Kentucky bourbon has got corn and rye in it, and uh, we use uh, we use a number of different grains. We in our, our fence jumper bourbon. We use an Ohakan green heirloom corn um, and rye that we actually that we smoke with cherry wood, mm. so it gives you a little bit of a smokier flavor. Um, we we've experimented with grains like triticale, which triticale is a, um, a cross between between rye and wheat. Um, let's see, we uh, we use oats. Our stone throw bourbon has corn, rye, and oats in it. Uh, so we, yeah, we, because we are farmers and we can raise the grains, we, we, uh, um, do experiment with different, uh, different grains that, that are going to be a little bit out of the ordinary, I guess, from uh, a traditional bourbon. Wow. You know, one of the, the thought that keeps running through my head, Christian, is how you've embraced the entire process from seed to glass, um, in an effort to, I guess is it is it to control the quality? Well, there, there's yeah, there's definitely that that aspect of it. I mean, we uh, you know we we use the the best and freshest ingredients that we and we know exactly where they come from. Um, and we've been you know um, you know we plant them. We you know our kind of our tagline is we're planted, tended, milled, and distilled. I mean we. We plant it. We tend the crops. We harvest the crops. We clean the grains. We um, we we have them stone ground at a like at the the water powered mill down the road, and and so it really it's um, somebody said it good. Yeah, or I, said, I like the way they said it once that you know like my dad Leonard does a lot of the cleaning of the grains. Ed Ed at the mill does the, our uh, mills our grains for us. Um, 
you know, we it's like a, a first name chain of custody from the time the seed goes in the ground to the time it, it hits the the shelves or the or the uh, um, you know the liquor stores. So um, it it is uh, it is I think unique to be a, um, a certified farm distillery and certified organic. There's not many of those in, across the country. There are a few. Um, but uh, it just it helps differentiate us in the marketplace too. A, a thing that strikes me is um, how, in your business, you're really using so much of the local talent, the other local businesses, in order to make this a, a, an amazingly local product. Right. Right. I. I joke and say the only way we could be even more local is to take the silica sand in this region and make our own glass bottles. But mm. um, we're we're not <laughs> not getting into that business. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. We we do um, really get. It's about as as uh, as local you can get as you can get. Um, we our our distillery and cocktail room is actually located in right in Spring Grove. Um, in an old creamery building that was built in 1923, and uh, so it's uh, even that's you know pretty unique the the way we're um, where the actual distillery is located, hmm. um, and, and like I said, everything the farms, the grains, uh, all you know the grains our farms really within two and a half miles of here. So, um, and you know, and so we being farmers, we 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 understand the seasons and and you know nature doesn't always uh cooperate and 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 so you know what a bourbon we make this year we might not be able to make next year if if something happens with that crop and and so that's uh you know we can we and we can t- you know we can explain that we can tell you why why that happened mm-hmm. um you've said that people can come and visit and certainly there's a tasting room now in Spring Grove. Where can they go online to find out more and to find out where they can find your whiskeys and bourbons? Yeah, we have a, we have a website. It's uh, rockfilterdistillery.com. Um, and there, there you can find out more about us and our products, uh, where, you know, what retail locations they can be found at. Um, we also um, have an Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter account. So, uh, people can can follow us on those and find out uh, what we're up to. Um, currently, we are we based on our you know small batch uh, uh, type operation. We are you know, fairly limited supply. We are only distributing in Minnesota, um, and um, but you know based on our location, we are literally in the southeast corner of Minnesota about. You know, five miles from Iowa and about 15 miles from Wisconsin. So, um, one of our next steps would, would be to get to start getting products into Iowa and Wisconsin. But right now, um, people can check us out on our website. Uh, our cocktail room is open Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from four o'clock to ten o'clock. Uh, it's a great way to come in and, and try a product, and and uh, we have a great menu of menu with um, excellent craft cocktails. Um, another local. Um, uh, Another local thing we're using is literally two blocks from the distillery is Spring Grove Soda Pop Factory, uh, which has been around for many years. And so um, we have uh, cocktails that actually uh, kind of showcase 
our bourbon with the Spring Grove, uh, actually the Spring Grove Lemon Sour Soda Pop. So um, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things to choose from and try in our cocktail room. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.